Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Leela. And we, we are Both and. and. A podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the multiracial experience in America by discussing relevant topics in a safe place. Happy Multiracial Monday, everyone. We are so happy to be with you again. And today we are talking about one of our favorite topics, racial justice as a multiracial person. So Beth and I talk about racial justice a lot, especially in this day and age. There's so much going on. So we're excited to discuss that together and kind of just see where where we land when it comes to this topic, being a multiracial person, sometimes playing both sides or being in both camps um, Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how to do that peacefully, gracefully. And without yelling at your relatives. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that last one's a little hard. <laughs> it's very hard. <laughs> so I guess to start off, let's go back in time. We've been having a conversation mm-hmm. a lot about allies and yes. allyship, both on and off the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about how some people like allies, some people don't want allies, and what that looks like. And so something we've talked about a few times, what we really appreciate, is the Loving vs. Virginia case. Yeah. This is specifically what I like to call a piece of biracial history. This is a multiracial person. Like when we're trying to build our community and look Mm -hmm. out and say, what is ours? This is ours. 50 years ago. um, Not that long ago. (laughs) Yeah. Our parents are older than that. Yeah. My daddy is. He old. (laughs) (laughs) All my parents were older than 50. (laughs) Yeah. So there was a white male and a black female who wanted to get married, and um, Virginia was passing a racial purity law, Boo. but it wasn't even that like, it it wasn't even that people of different races couldn't marry. It was that only white people could marry white people. That was it. <laughs> it was considered a purity of public morals and a preservation of racial integrity. It was to promote racial pride. And, quote, prevent a mongrel breed of citizens. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be my next tattoo. (laughs) Mongrel breed. Right across the throat. (laughs) Reclaim it. It's mine. (laughs) But, yeah, so it was only white people who couldn't marry outside of their race, but, like, they didn't care about, like, other races Mm -hmm. intermixing. And so um, this couple actually went, I think they went to D.C. or Maryland to get married, and then they came back to Virginia and, like, were arrested, were forced, like, not to be together. Mm -hmm. Um, Movie just came out about it. With Ruth Nega, my favorite, one of my favorites. She's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Catch her. Catch her and preach her. Great show. (laughs) (laughs) But interestingly enough, Someone from the JACL helped argue this case in front of the Supreme Court because it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. So the JACL Uh is the Japanese American Citizen League. Oh, yes. After that whole stint in internment camps, Mm -hmm. Japanese Americans were like, we need an advocacy group to fight for our rights. So like crap like this doesn't happen again. Yeah. And so um, William Maritani appeared before the Supreme Court and actually gave verbal arguments in front of the justices. Mm-hmm. And he was, um, a lot of people gave him pushback and they were like, why? Why did you argue this? Like, you're Japanese, you don't have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was saying that this law concerns, concerning like racial purity also affects other minority groups. Like, this yeah. isn't just a black and white issue. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he said, like, the court has clearly said that a statute is not unconstitutional simply because it does not reach every facet of the evil with which it might conceivably deal. So you can't inflate this minority group into constitutional significance out of proportion to other minority groups. Like, Mm -hmm. this law affects everyone. And so the JACL came alongside to support the black community, to support interracial marriage, because Mm -hmm. they said, like, this isn't... this Just because a black person and a white person are involved doesn't mean those are the only two racial groups who can be involved in this issue. Yes. And so this is where, like, that allyship, we start to see, like... And on the stage, like, in front of everyone. Yeah. And that is directly (laughs) impactful of the lives we're living today. Because so much, I think people have fallen into camps, like, tribalism is making a comeback. People are putting themselves in the, I'm white camp, so I'm going to fight for these things, or stand against these things. And there are black people who are like, we're fighting against this racial injustice. And it seems very much just these two sides, but in absolutely no way (laughs) does it affect just black and white people. Or are the issues, like, just black and white? Like, there's so many other things going on in our country, whether it's with Native people, whether it's with immigrants, with Asian Americans, like, things I'm sure we're not even aware of Mm -hmm. that are happening in this country, because I will say, and I'll say it again and again, this country is rooted in a history of oppression and racism. Not, it's like, not as bad as it was, but that history has side effects that are still affecting us to this day. And that's why it's so important for everyone to do their part and to stand up where they can and speak up where they can especially I think multiracial people because I know in my own experiences I've been able to listen to specifically my white family and Mm -hmm. hear what they're saying hear the deeper instead of just seeing it online and like seeing people that I don't know and just reading their comments and going off on them I've grown up around these people I love Mm -hmm. and respect and I hear their side of it and then I also hear the side on my black like on my black side with my black family. So it's like able yeah. you're able to be a bridge if you choose to be yeah. to these two sides and share perspectives and try mm-hmm. to give different perspectives. And that's just so important. Yeah. Very I like what you said about bridge building. I think when it comes to racial justice, mm-hmm. A lot of people think in terms of like, oh, these are black issues, these are Asian issues, these are Hispanic issues, these are immigrant issues, and we put them in boxes. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very reactionary. Yeah. It's very much only the people who are affected by this presently have literal skin in the game <laughs> and are the only people who can speak up about this issue, mm-hmm. right? Like, I've heard people... No, I'm not saying I, like, agree or disagree with this political stance specifically. Yeah. But, like, I've heard people bash Colin Kaepernick and his take a knee mm-hmm. because, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's taking a knee for, like, um, police brutality, yes. like, prison reform, mm-hmm. things that affect the black community. People have bashed him online saying, like, what? He's, like, light-skinned. He's biracial. Yeah. Like, he's not a good enough representative of these black-only issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even, just, there's a little classism in there, too. There's the mm-hmm. whole argument of he's wealthy, he makes so much right. money, why is he complaining? So, not to cut you off, but... No, but that that's in. a good point. And so I just, I think, just because this is primarily affecting the black community now, mm-hmm. doesn't mean there's anything keeping this from affecting other minority groups, oh, right? absolutely, The yeah. only reason 
we consider certain racial groups minority groups isn't because of numbers. It's because of a power differential. Mm-hmm. Um, majority means they have more power. Minority means they have less power. And so, like, multiracial people have the least amount of power because we don't really have a solidified place in society yet. Mm-hmm. Yet we are the fastest growing racial group in the country. Yeah. If not the world. Yeah. I don't know the stats on the world, but I know the stats <laughs> on the U.S. Ooh, look them up and tweet them. <laughs> but, like, we're, like, the multiracial population in America is growing exponentially. Mm-hmm. And so why is it we can't ally or bridge build with these other people? Because yeah. this, in the same way the JACL came alongside the Loving vs. Virginia case to support mm-hmm. interracial marriage between blacks and whites... That also paved the way for other minority groups to intermarry yeah. or for other people to intermarry with the white community. Mm-hmm. Um, so why are we only doing reactionary interventions rather than preventative yeah. allyship? And I guess in terms of allyship, just to kind of open up a new dialogue, it's um, this isn't necessarily race, but we've talked about people with privilege, mm-hmm. um, feeling uncomfortable with their privilege. Yeah. And my motto is... Privilege is not inherently good or bad. Mm-hmm. You just have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make you a good person. That doesn't make you a bad person. Mm-hmm. It's how you use your privilege that determines that. Like, yeah. Are you hurting other people with your privilege? Are you helping other people with your privilege? Mm-hmm. Yes, Colin Kaepernick has some privilege as a wealthy individual who mm-hmm. is not in the prison system. However, why are we bashing someone for using their privilege to help people? People in the black community are bashing Colin Kaepernick Mm -hmm. because he's not fully black. Yeah. And because it's like, well, you're wealthy. You don't know what it's like Mm -hmm. um, to be, like, poorer, to be full black. There were some similar flare-ups in 2016 when Jesse Williams, who's Mm -hmm. an actor, formerly a teacher, um, (laughs) but he's on Grey's Anatomy, and he gave a powerful speech at the BET Awards, and he talked about police brutality and just the the whole system. And it was it was awesome in the speech. Like they did a sh- he did a shout out to his mom and dad who were Aww. in the crowd. So you get to see their full like multiracial family. But there was a little bit there was some backlash there towards him as well. Mm-hmm. Some of it just for him speaking up at all. Sure. Because of his privilege. Here you have a light skinned multiracial individual who is wealthy, who is on TV, who has a lot of followers, yeah. like speaking up about issues that some say he has no right to speak up about. And that, that's absolutely ridiculous because in that mentality, we never get anywhere. Like when you have people in power using their power to pull others up, mm-hmm. like that only does all of us good mm-hmm. right now in the moment, in the present moment. But like you said, in the future, because we don't know what the system of oppression will try to do next yeah. to who. Like yeah. that's just... I mean, I feel like that's the state of humanity. Somebody's always oppressing someone. And we're trying to get to a place where we just have equality across the board. Mm -hmm. I hope it'll happen one day. I don't know when. (laughs) I don't know how. But I know sitting on the sidelines doesn't help. Or, like, pulling yourself or bashing others doesn't help. Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. But there's uh, a quote from that time in Jesse Williams' speech that really resonated with me. And he said, a system built to divide and impoverish cannot stand if we do. I'm going to say it one more time. Yeah. A system built to divide and impoverish cannot stand if we do. Yeah. And I think what's really powerful about that is like that is 
like the system, the blame gets put on the system, not mm-hmm. on a people group, not on a specific race. Because there are people who contribute to this system of yeah. all races, of all statuses and stuff. Um, but it's like when we join together and decide this is important, people are valuable, human life is valuable in this way, like we can stand up together and do something. We can stop it. Yeah. So that is just crazy awesome. <laughs> Um, and I, yeah, I just like that. And it's not, a if we do, if we, the black community, if we, the white community, like just we, we humanity, like let's stand up together in this. Yeah. I like that, that unified front. Cause Mm -hmm. you and I were talking the other day about what unity means. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think sometimes people think unity means we're doing the same thing. We're committed to doing the same thing for the betterment of something, Mm -hmm. right? But, like, unity doesn't mean we all look the same or we all do the same thing, we all talk the same, we all act the same, right? Like, unity just means we are working towards a common goal, Mm -hmm. but, like, there are multiple jobs. Like, look at a football team. Like, if a team is working together, if people are, quote, doing their jobs, Mm -hmm. like, everyone has a different job. Yeah. But that team is has working towards the common goal of scoring and winning the game. Yeah. Um, so I think it, in the same way of of bridge building and allyship, and prevention rather than intervention, um, we need to recognize that how we help different causes will look different. But that doesn't mean we're not supporting the same cause. Yeah. Now, there is a point where helping becomes hurting. And that's when people do need to be called out, but in a productive manner, Mm -hmm. right? Like, helping can also hurt, but calling people out and then not course correcting with them, Mm -hmm. not making that a teachable moment, that also hurts. Because then that's just divisiveness, Mm -hmm. and that's just arguments. I think an important part of that, too, is this, in this fight, like, for racial justice, for equality, for all, like... It is. It does hurt. It hurts the people who are being oppressed, and it's going to hurt the ones who step in to fight. You know. Well, what do you mean by hurt? I think there's like there's a very real. I'm thinking back to like Selma, like when the, um, MLK had the marches. Um, I think it was like Selma to Montgomery, or just like those marches. It wasn't just an all black crowd. There were white people in that crowd too. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure there were other races involved in that. And like that's. As, as much as this is going to sound wrong, but, like, that's a burden, you know, to, like, we have to get out of our houses. I have to go out of my way. I have to march. I might be attacked by dogs. I might be hosed down. Like, yeah. that that hurts. Or it makes you... That hurts. So, I mean, being hosed down and attacked by... Yeah. That's a physical hurt. But, like, even I'm thinking... Of, so, that... It's kind of coming out of this place where I'm thinking about that. And what is the modern-day equivalent of that? You know, like, mm. it can be so painful to look at our system, look at a country that we love, and see the racial injustice, like, and recognize that history. It's so easy to sweep it under the rug and ignore it. Mm -hmm. But, like, and that is a privilege in and of itself to be able to do that. But for the people who choose to look at it, it can be a painful process to be like... Yeah, and to know, like you said, like, to know I've been... I think when it comes to a system of oppression racism specifically or white supremacy or anything like that there's victims on both sides not to the same degree for sure but like 
at one point, like at some point, the dominant culture will have to give up its privilege. It will have to give up some of its power, um, maybe is a better way to say it. And that's going to be painful for those people because they've been on top for so long. And if they truly want to make this world a better place, they're going to have to give up some of that power. And that's uncomfortable. That is. It's uncomfortable. I wouldn't say give up. I would just say share. Hmm. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. even as children sharing is a painful process for or skill or trait for us to learn yeah right i have babysat in my life (laughs) and seeing kids become older siblings is interesting yeah you know and like the innate nature of humankind is to hoard Mm -hmm. it's to it's self-preservation it's mine 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 so you're right it's going to be an uncomfortable process it will be painful in some Mm -hmm. regards but I don't want people to think of pain in terms of, like, decay. Um, More because... pain in the terms of, like, childbirth. <laughs> maybe I'm <laughs> like, we are... Bur- I, wait, go ahead and then maybe you know, see if we're on the same but page. in the same way that an older sibling learning to share with their younger sibling mm-hmm. um, is, is uncomfortable and it's hard for them, um, there also is a joy... And there's a learning experience of being in relationship with someone new. Mm -hmm. And that means sharing things. That means sharing toys. It means sharing language, sharing commonalities. And when then we go leave the child metaphor and we go back to society, like, yeah, we'll see more diversity in certain job markets, Mm -hmm. um, more diversity in CEOs and... It's never. It never feels good to be beaten out for a promotion by someone, mm-hmm. regardless of their race. Yeah. And so, like that is uncomfortable, but. And so it's like those kinds of growing pains is yeah. kind of how I see it. You know, like puberty was painful. <laughs> like puberty sucks. Childbirth really sucks. Necessary. But like it's a necessary evil and it's a necessary growth process, mm-hmm. so that something new and important can come into the world mm-hmm. and help flourish and diversify and create. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, mm-hmm. um, but I think the pain is more in terms of growth rather than decay. Yeah, most definitely. And I think I use, when I'm talking from my own personal experience of pain, like it is hard and emotionally painful to have conversations like with my mom about racial justice or racial injustices that Mm. I very clearly see that she doesn't see. And I think it's from her place of privilege that she doesn't see it. And it's like me trying to trying to get her on our same level. And that and we still haven't gotten to a place where it's like only recently have we had a conversation that didn't end like with (laughs) mainly me screaming because I get very passionate (laughs) and I will get very loud very fast um, when I'm talking about injustice just in general so I am I want I just it just seems so close like we're so close to achieving something greater Mm. and I think that's where I (laughs) I've never had a child but like just the whole childbirth idea is like we are birthing a new society together Mm. It ha- it takes everyone, and that's where that painful part, it's like you have to carry the child, you have to go through those labor pains, and mm-hmm. then when this new society eventually happens, when we finally get to a place where we have reconciled our past and yeah. have identified it for what it was, which was horrific and unfair, and there are people who lived in that oppression and died in that oppression, mm-hmm. I'm not ready 
to live my life that way. I'm not mm-hmm. ready to think that I'm going when my time is done on this earth that America is going to still be struggling with these issues. Like I want to eradicate them in our in our generation might be a little bit too hopeful, but in our time, you know? Mm-hmm. So huh, all that to say. <laughs> I don't even know. No, I think that's a good point of like it's going to be a long process. Mm-hmm. Right? Like already has been a long process and it's still going i mean psychologists say that it takes two generations to truly change a culture oh because it's like the one generation that lived it Mm -hmm. needs the one generation needs to live the change and then they need to raise the next generation in the change Mm -hmm. to to then see that as the new normal and then perpetuate that as normal yeah but if that's not happening in a unified way mm-hmm. that's why we see this process as being so long yeah so i think there's nothing wrong with us picking up the mantle of racial justice mm-hmm. and trying to eradicate racial injustice i think that is something worth fighting for mm-hmm. i don't know if and when that'll happen um i know one day i will raise my kids in this way yeah you know to make that their new normal mm-hmm. but yeah like it's hard but it's worth it yeah and i guess i want to qualify and say racial justice means equality like not oppression yeah so it's not that minorities will then rise to power and oppress the former majority absolutely not like that's not productive (laughs) that's very hypocritical and (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's just perpetuating systems of oppression but i don't know about you but sometimes i feel as a biracial person my job as a bridge builder and an empathizer mm-hmm. of being able to you know have a foot in several camps mm-hmm. have allies in other camps right yeah. um, get a glimpse into other parties and stuff sometimes it feels like empathy means translating hmm. so I also have frustrating conversations with different family members of various races. Because, yeah. like, we got a whole smattering in my yeah. family. <laughs> um, and sometimes I find myself getting frustrated mm-hmm. that the other person doesn't understand. And then I find myself having to translate what they don't understand into something they do. Mm-hmm. Because as a multiracial individual, I understand what it's like to have different kinds of experiences. Yeah. And therefore, I know how to word things or present things in that way. Yeah. And it's not always successful, mm-hmm. um, but it just feels a, like bridge building for me as a multiracial per- person means like translating. What about you? Sometimes I think in my experience, I know I have translated in some instances, but I think my multiracialness has been a roadblock in and of itself. Really? Where it's like, but you exist. So racism must have been eradicated. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've had that discussion before of... And actually on both sides with, like, for example, on my dad's side, which is my black side, there is... I like when you said there needs to be a unity when it comes to raising up the next generation. Because I have one side of that family that is very much still politically active, that is culturally active, that is trying to still fight the good fight i would say yeah. and then there's another side that says we have come as far as we're going to 
we're, we have come as far as we're going to go. Yeah, this is as good as it's going to get. This is as good as it's going to get. Let's be quiet and let's sit down and just be happy that we're here. And it's, I can see... Mm, the good enough mentality. Yeah, it's and it's like, oh, I can see where they're coming from because I'm like, you are older, you've been doing this for a really long time, you have marched, you have rallied, you have done all this stuff, you've seen all these things. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that, but there's still so much there's like new issues that come up or like issues that you just you didn't have time to deal with because you were dealing with bigger things that we're still trying to deal with but it's kind of like well because you can go into your church and worship and not worry about the kkk coming in yeah because that's something that happened to my family as like an intimidation thing because you can do that and because you were just born because you are here we don't have to do anything else and there's a weird i don't know how i don't know how to like i don't have the right language for it but it just feels like i i'm constantly advocating that like my birth my existence is a testimony to what could come if we continue in this way not that, like, this is it. We just wanted to race mix. And, like, that's all we have. <laughs> no, I mean, um, I you and I have talked about this a couple times. Trevor Noah is the one who says, like, the fact that there are multiracial or mixed kids in the world shows that racism doesn't work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because people keep defying racism. Yeah. But just because people defy something doesn't mean a system is eradicated. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are systems that don't work that's will still putter on until they eventually fizzle out Mm -hmm. um and so it's there are some people who ascribe to the good enough mentality of like you know what i fought i gained these things i'm cool with this Mm -hmm. this is good enough for me i don't need to keep fighting and then there are people who keep saying but it's not equal yet like yes you gained all these rights but it's still not the same like we need to still fight to bridge that gap yeah um, and so, like, oppressive systems still exist despite people's defiance. And that's, again, where that power differential comes in mm-hmm. that we keep going back to. And so it's a matter of how do we level the playing field. Yeah. And, yeah, I agree. I think the fact that you and I exist and that we're both different mixes of mm-hmm. different races show that, you know, racism doesn't work, that people mm-hmm. still defy it. Yeah. Um, that inherently people still value connection and that you can connect to people who are different from yourself. Mm-hmm. Shoot, like, you even see multiple expressions of race in a single, like, 100% race group, you yeah, know? Yeah, so true. Um, and I think diversity has been used in so many different contexts that mm-hmm. it's losing its meaning. Hmm. Like when people hear diversity initiatives, it's almost like there's a collective groan. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> um, like, oh, diversity initiatives. Like, oh, yep, there's that box we have to check. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people aren't really truly appreciating what diversity means. Yeah. And how diversity in unity is a strength, mm-hmm. not a weakness. It's not disorganization, it's yeah. not division. And so I often find that, like, yes, being multiracial sometimes is a handicap because people view you as unqualified to speak on certain matters. Mm -hmm. They don't think your experiences line up. And so I try to then take a translator role Mm -hmm. um, because I'm like, okay, well, 
you're not viewing me as completely the same as you, mm-hmm. but I'm still an asset, and you yeah. should still use me. Yeah. And I have other experiences, but you can learn from my experiences, and they're still relevant to you. So let me, like help you empathize and see things from a different perspective because for those of you who don't know i'm a trying to become a licensed professional counselor (laughs) so i'm kind of nerdy about it um but in the counseling field you know we say all the time that empathy isn't the same as sympathy Hmm. right sympathy is when you sympathize with someone who has a similar experience to you yeah right like if have you ever broken a bone Actually, yes. I have broken a bone. I can sympathize with that pain because I've experienced it myself. Mm -hmm. But again, we probably didn't break the same bone. We probably didn't break it at the same age in Mm -hmm. the same way. The break might not have even been the same. But I'm equating your different experience as the same exact thing as mine in sympathy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we Mm -hmm. need people to sympathize with us. Sometimes we need people who truly have gone through the same pain that we have. Mm -hmm. But empathy is different. Empathy means I can see your experience from your perspective. I can imagine and understand how you felt, but I still recognize that your experience was different from my own. And so I think sometimes people try to unify over sympathy, Mm -hmm. and then it turns into victimization or even victim bullying. You know, like in the NBA when people flop all the time and they're like, oh, he pushed me. Like, that's, oh, yeah. that's what victim bullying is. Oh, okay, um, okay. It's when you play the victim card even though no one has bullied you and you're yeah. accusing someone of bullying you or intimidating mm. you or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so I think as bridge builders in this racial justice initiative, we need as multiracial people to have a, a mix of empathy and sympathy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it kind of reminds me of when we talk about identity, mm. like our identity roles and how you can flow in and out of how right. you identify. It's kind of like our roles in... No, I think we're both on the same page of, like, no matter what, like, when it comes to racial justice, mixed people have a place and, like, yes. have a voice <laughs> and deserve to be there and will help the cause. Yeah. But, like, in that, we, have, we can go back and forth between how we're helping. Mm. It's not just one specific way like there are many things we can do yeah which reminds me of this quote i found online (laughs) by (laughs) william faulkner Mm. and it says never be afraid to raise your voice for honesty and truth and compassion against injustice and lying and greed if people all over the world would do this it would change the earth and i think that like raise your voice for honesty for truth and compassion you know like those three things like we can sympathize empathize translate bring the news bring the truth like show people how to have compassion for a people group they might not have any other experience with except through us like that's powerful and that is what will help us I hopefully change this world, change this nation. Let's start with our individual communities and like just branch out from there. So yeah. mixed people, monoracial people, wherever you are in your community, get involved <laughs> in whatever way makes sense for you, which yeah. we'd like to talk about. Yeah. That is our question of the week. So we want to know where do you find yourself in the cultural landscape when it comes to racial justice? 
And how can we facilitate and support racial justice together when we go about it in different ways? Mm-hmm. And just an example of that, some of us like to march, like to show up in numbers. Mm-hmm. Some of us like to work on policy or call our congressmen. Or vote. Or vote, or just have casual conversations yeah. with the people close to us. Or with people different from us, not mm-hmm. being afraid to talk with other people outside of our normal circles just mm-hmm. to learn something new. Or go into our friends' Facebook <laughs> Facebook comments and argue with their friends. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the best thing to do, but it is one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> anyway, however you do that, we want to know about it. And if you are thinking about this question and you're like, you know what, I've actually pulled myself out of this cultural landscape. Mm. I've pulled myself away from these issues. Mm-hmm. would love to hear that perspective as well. Yeah, because that also is a legitimate perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, please... Let us know where you're at and what you're thinking. We'd love to learn something new. Yes. So you can tweet us at wearebothand or email us at wearebothand at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it together. Until next time. <laughs>